ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I'm very excited about my special guest today, Ed Tate. Ed comes to us from Nevada, and I'm very excited. We met on LinkedIn, which is where I love to meet exciting and interesting people. And Ed is definitely one of those people. Welcome to the show, first of all. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. So I know that you help executives and entrepreneurs become better leaders and presenters, but I want to, my audience to know um, your accolades are amazing. You are an award-winning international keynote speaker, trainer, author, and a former executive yourself. And I'm, I want to dig into this. You say you are known as the speaker who energizes, educates, and entertains. And I love that. You've spoken, I know, professionally in 50 states, 25 countries, and on five continents. And what I think got my attention was you won the American Idol of public speaking, becoming the 2000 world champion of public speaking. And I think that was through Toastmasters, if I'm not um, mistaken. It that is yeah. correct. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's amazing. But what I think is even more impressive to me is that you then went on eight years later and you earned the CSP title, the Certified Speaking Professional Designation by the National Speakers Association. And when we first met, I think I told you I'd had a couple of other guests on my podcast who have that same designation. And mm -hmm. that's amazing in itself, because I think there's only 12% of people uh, the, of the members that have that designation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, I, and I've seen what the parameters are to attain it. So kudos to you. And I'm extremely impressed and in awe of. So, wow. It's amazing. Thank you. You're I appreciate welcome. it. And uh, that's a designation also that has to be re earned every five years. So oh, you have to does. make, yes, you have to maintain the, uh, those minimum standards, if you will. Yeah, which and, are pretty um, high to begin with. Yes. Yeah. And I have just just been notified that I actually I'm a permanent C CSP. So like a, once my next five year status goes over with, they said like, hey, we're done worrying about you, Ed. You know, <laughs> you're, you're a made man in the club. You know, <laughs> that's fantastic. No, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, so you um, you you know, you you say things like um, you breathe life into business presentations and mm -hmm. Um, I want to know, um, where did I write my notes here? Um, how you do that? Like how, what is the difference between an okay business presentation, keynote speaker presentation, shall we say, and an amazing one? What are three big things that make the difference? I just got a, an email yesterday from one of my a brand new coaching clients. Um, I had taken off December. My, my wife, uh, she's from South Africa, and she hadn't seen her family in three years. So we decided to take the whole month off, et cetera. And during that time, uh, an individual reached out to me. He's an executive in Silicon Valley and wanted to work with me, et cetera. So, you know, <laughs> through the different time zones, we actually chatted back and forth and we decided to work together. 
And he is a he's a very powerful individual. Uh, he has what I call there's three elements of what I call an effective presenter. They are authority, energy and awareness. Authority means that you have presence. You have this, I mean, as soon as you open, you know, you walk into the room, people notice you. That's authority. That's when you walk on the stage, be it the virtual stage or the an, an actual stage. You command presence in front of the room. Energy means, and in this case, the speaker is important. So that's what authority means. Energy means that the subject matter is important. Hey, listen up. This is important. And finally, awareness. You make the audience feel important. It goes beyond con uh, eye contact. Think of it as a series of one-on-one -on -one conversations where the audience members feel seen. So those are three elements that I look for when I'm looking for you know someone who is a really, really good presenter. Going back to my client, Rod. Rod had a, an online webinar yesterday. He spoke in front of this audience exactly one year ago today. He sent me an email to, uh, yesterday and he said, Ed, it was, day and night between what I did a year ago and what we what we worked with together. He says, I'm so glad I worked with you. And, you know, he just felt he felt confident. I gave him, he was very, very coachable, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's a person who was a very extremely successful person. If you look at his resume, I mean, to be honest with you, I got to tell you, I was a little intimidated. <laughs> oh, like <laughs> I was when I saw yours? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can relate. Yes, <laughs> you, can, you can relate to this. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I, I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to bring out Rod. That's the, when I'm coaching someone, I want to bring that person out. I don't want them to be a copy of myself. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by, you know, in, in terms of breathing life into business presentations, that's exactly what you want to do. I, I want to have people put down their devices and listen on their own, as opposed to me telling them to put down their devices. And one thing I've discovered over time, one of my secrets to that is I'm a pretty good storyteller. And I've, what I notice is that when I start telling stories, the devices people put down, they put down their devices without me having to say that. So mm -hmm. I think that's one of the distinctions is that people on their own will put down their devices and they'll pay attention to you. And I, I, I totally get that. And so when I think of, there's a couple of things I want to ask you around that. So I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> but um, I am basically a trainer. I mm -hmm. don't see myself as a speaker. However, I have done presentations, but sometimes I get more into the training than when I don't, when I shouldn't. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I admire in a really, really good speaker that I feel I'm lacking and I don't know how to fig fix it is um, the storytelling. And so mm -hmm. if someone, in fact, one of my coaches said to me the other day, because I'm about to do a, a webinar presentation to lead uh, um, intro to a course that I'm just launching. And mm -hmm. he said, have an example, have a story about each one of these three things that you're going to talk about. And I can't think of them when I want, when I need to, like who, what example should I use? Right. Mm -hmm. That's where I get stuck is finding the stories. So how do you find those stories? I know it seems like, well, you've done the work. You should be able to know some stories that have worked, but they go, I go blank. Well, I have a, I have a, a four-step process, and it's called the Story Finder process. Ooh. And this is this is my most popular program. This is what I'm hired and rehired 
over and over again. So for example, Johnson Johnson Pharmaceuticals, they've hired me for 13 years. Uh, Hallmark Cards has hired me for seven years. Nielsen Ratings has hired for eight years. And I have multiple clients who hire me year and year and year after year yeah. to teach uh, them not only public speaking skills, but also the ability to tell stories. And my storytelling model is it consists of four components. Now, fantastic. And it uh, it's uh, head. Do, does your presentation make people think? Heart. Does it relate or people can connect to it? Humor. Does it make people laugh? And what I call heavy hitting. What is the walk away, the message, or the point? And whenever you're designing the story, you can do this with any circumstances whatsoever. Mm. So, for example this is the other thing I tell people, the story does not have to be extraordinary. So for example, me winning the world championship of public speaking, this is a year long competition, mm -hmm. uh, 3000 contestants from around the globe. Mm -hmm. I was the last one standing. That is exceptional. And most people can't relate to that. In fact, what it does is it intimidates them and it kind of puts them off. It actually creates a disconnect, if you will. I However, when I, you know, I um, years ago, I attempted to fix my own sprinkler system. I used to live in Denver, Colorado. And one spring, I turn on my sprinkler system and there's a lake in front of me. And um, I call up a sprinkler uh, guy and he tells me, hey, it's going to be $500 to fix it. I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to do it yourself. I can do this myself. <laughs> now, my, my soon to be ex-wife tells me, she says, pay the man his money. You are not that toolie, you know, and I said, so honey. I've got this, you know, like, hey, I've got a Home Depot card and I've got, you know, I've got online, you know, what could go wrong? Well, I'll, get, I'll just skip, skip straight to the point without telling the story. The police were called, fire department, an ambulance oh was called. Now, no one was harmed or injured, but this happened right after 9-11. It was a spring after 9-11. Mm -hmm. And back then there was an expression, if you hear something, say something. Well, I messed up my sprinkler to the system to the point where it there was actually a small explosion. Oh, no, I messed up not only my yard, but also my neighbor's yard. So I go back inside to call the sprinkler guy, you know, to, to help me with this, etc. And like, there's like water right there. One of my neighbors from across the street, she heard the noise. She looked out the window. She says, Oh, my God, it's a terrorist attack. They got the tates and she called the police. <laughs> You can't make this story up, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Now there are like 20 of my neighbors outside. <laughs> there's a fire department, there's a police, and there is my ex-wife, you know? And I, I, I always ask the audience, you know, what's the more of the story? And they say, listen to your wife, okay? <laughs> so that's a story. It's a true story. It's, a, it's an ordinary, everyday story. Hmm. The best stories are ordinary, everyday. And these are stories- Because they're authentic. Yeah. Yeah, people can relate to them, you know, so that's the thing I'm, I'm inviting you to you have the stories inside yes. of you. Yes, you just have to find out what's the story that relates to the situation. So let me tell you how I coach Rod. Okay, so Rod is he's a high analytical. He's a yeah. data guy. Okay. And so I said, Rod, we need to tell a story. He said, well, I'm not a storyteller, just like you. Yeah. I says, well, I says, Rod, what's one of the points you want to make? He says, like, you know, uh, you know, people are really, really fearful right now. There, there's uncertainty. There's this, you know, fight, fear, uncertainty, and doubt going around. And it's just like uh, people are feeling off balance. He says, "Yeah." I says, well, you, do, do, "Have you ever had a time when you felt off balance?" He says, "Well, yeah, as a matter of fact." So he tells a story of um, his brother was visiting him from Ohio. He lives out in California, and they decided to go out on the lake. 
and they decided to go tubing. So like, you know, as opposed to water skiing, they have this big inner tube and the tube yes. is taking them along. Yeah. Well, anyway, Rod uh, suffers from vertigo. So when he was bouncing, 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 and bouncing, when he got done, he actually had an episode of vertigo and he felt off balance for almost up to two weeks. Mm-hmm. So he tells the story. He's he's got these beautiful images of him and his brother, him bouncing. So you're you're there. You can visualize this story, and then he says to the audience, and there's 800 people online. He wow. says, "Have you ever felt off balance? How about over the last couple of years? Have you felt out of sync?" He says, "Well, here I'm here to share with you some tools and some ideas that that'll help you get back into balance and also economy proof uh, your careers." So that was the icebreaker story. That was the beginning of his speech. Yeah. And it didn't have to be anything extraordinary, but it had to be relatable. Yes. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, totally. I, I, I actually, when you, when I think about it, I did a, a presentation slash training. Um, I'm like, I'll come to that in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. In October, uh, first time I'd done a live presentation in like three years, and it was to about 50 mortgage brokers. And mm-hmm. before I left the house, I, um, so maybe I do have it in me because I was just going to yeah. share this little story with you. Um, there is no maybe. I, I know that for a fact. Okay. Well, I, I, before I left the house, I thought, you know, one of, I was doing a presentation around LinkedIn and the power of relationships through LinkedIn. And I, I realized, I remembered that something I wanted to show them was a, a feature that you could only do from your phone. So I quickly went into my Zoom and I tried to get my, phone onto the zoom because I'd had trouble doing it in a couple of previous calls and it worked and off I went. And as I'm in the car, I realized, oh, I don't need zoom. I'm going to be in front of them face to face. So that was one thing. And then the other thing before I left the house was, oh my God, what kind of shoes can I wear? I don't have any shoes. (laughs) Right? So I actually started flip-flops as we speak. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, so I did. So I told both those things as the icebreaker when I got there. And so I think that's what you're talking about. And I, yes. Yeah. So it does make a difference. It's that ordinary. It's that every day. It's those little things that people can relate to. And by the way, I, I'm going to invite you not to get caught up in semantics, speaker, trainer. Okay. As a trainer, and I'm a trainer, as a matter of fact, that's one of my superpowers, et cetera. You actually have, a, you have an advantage over speakers. So, and what I mean by that is um, I live outside of Las Vegas and several friends of mine are, they're comedians. Yeah. And they have this concept in comedy called pace elements. Mm-hmm. And that a comedian, he or she has to get the audience laughing every 10 to 15 seconds. Wow. And that is they have to change the pace every 10 to 15 seconds. We as trainers, in order for us to have an audience for the entire day, guess what we do naturally? We do pace elements. Mm -hmm. We have a different activity and exercise and things of that nature. So the thing I'm inviting you to do is take that training superpower that you already possess. Mm -hmm. And in this case, if you're going to do a speech, just consolidate it. It's like, hey, how can I use my superpower and incorporate these different pace elements? And pace elements, every time there's a change in your presentation, that's what people pay attention to. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did have a note here that you said that there's four critical differences between training and speaking and keynote speaking. But did that just incorporate what you were just talking about? Or would you yes. want to add anything to that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um so how would you then say 
you know, you can hook the audience in the first minute of the presentation. Is it with a story? Is it with a joke? Or is it just, yeah, well. I, I, I have uh, some tools called presentation variety. And I have like about a half a dozen or so, or dozens or so different methods and, and how I do things. Now, since I'm one of my superpowers is telling stories, I will tell a story. That's one thing there. But you yeah. can start off with, you know, showing an image or video. In this case, you can have, you know, people bring out their phones. You mm -hmm. know, there is, as there is creativity on earth, that's how many different ways you can, you can, you can open. But there are three elements to an opening conceptually. Number one, you want to break preoccupation. That is grab and keep the audience's attention. And you don't do that by saying, hey, everyone, I'm happy to be here, etc. Okay, that's kind of lame. Mm -hmm. And there's a concept called sameness by Hall of Fame speaker Patricia Fripp. And she says, sameness is the enemy of a presenter. When you look and sound the same as all the previous presenters people have heard and seen before, people will tune out. So sameness is the enemy of presenters. So the num number one is break preoccupation. Number two is frame the message. In one sentence or less, what is your presentation about? And number three is to jump into the content. No preamble, no pre no preramble, just get on with it. So those are three elements of an opening. Here's a fourth element of an opening that most people don't know. For every main idea you have in your presentation, you must have a new opening. Oh, okay. So you're opening your presentation. You got to break preoccupation, frame the message, jump into okay. the content. Then you have your 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 first idea. You've yeah. got to break preoccupation, frame the message, jump into the content. Your next big idea. And, you, and by the way, each one of these has to be done in a different way. You can't do them in the same way. Again, you have to introduce these different types of changes. So those are the elements of the of an opening. So if, let's see if I understand this. So if the first one you do it by telling a joke or a story, an icebreaker <laughs> story, let's say, then the next one you might do by showing something on a slide or Or a video. Oh, mm -hmm. Okay, or asking a question of the audience, even exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, as a trainer, you know how to do all these different things. All the things, Janice, which are already in your toolbox, mm -hmm. those are elements that you can use. Yeah, that this is really good. So, um, I think for for so many of us, and I think you pivoted quite well um, as well, because I saw something on your website that um, maybe made me think of this: is that when we all had to go to um, virtual uh, presentations. Uh, those of us that that like me that feed off my audience, I really do. I need to see people's faces. I need to know if they're if they are paying attention, and I can look at their eyes. That was difficult when you're talking to a bunch of black screens that have names on them. It's really hard to keep your energy level up. Well, here's the thing I did. Num uh, number one is well, let, let me backtrack. So the pandemic is my first uh, is my third earthquake type of event in my career. On February 1st, I will celebrate my 23rd year in business. Uh, my first earthquake type event was 9-11. Mm -hmm. And my my next event was the, the economic crisis of 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. And now we've had the pandemic. 2007, 2008 actually prepared me for our current pandemic mm. because then that was the closest I ever came to bankruptcy. I mean, like I almost, I literally lost all my business. I had a half a million dollar business at the time and it was gone in 13 days because wow. my customers went out of business. Right. right. Uh, 
9-11, I actually recovered 100% of all my speaking engagements, et cetera. So I really didn't feel any pain from that one. Mm -hmm. But um, I discovered a couple lessons. Number one, it's not the economy, it's your economy. Mm -hmm. And a year later, starting from scratch in the Great Depression of our lifetime, yeah. I, I grew my business back to like slightly under $300,000. But the other thing that I learned is like when the pandemic took place is number one, take some action, take some steps. Don't don't sit on the sidelines and mm -hmm. to wait and see what happens. So the first thing I did is because I'm a member of the National Speakers Association, they actually did workshops. And this is, hey, here's some things that you can do to start your business. I have an office full of equipment I didn't even know existed <laughs> you know, three years ago. I yeah. got this microphone. I got yeah. this thing. I've got this thing. It's called the Stream Deck. Okay, so I gave a presentation yesterday, and this tool right here enables me to switch them in between the cameras. I did a three-camera shoot on for my my again changes. Remember, yes. people pay attention to changes. Yeah. I've got these fancy lights. Okay. Yes. Careful. Up. Don't. Yeah. I got this fan. You know these fancy lights, yes. etc. I've got a soundboard. I mean, I got all this gear, <laughs> all the toys. Yeah. And but it was always I always got equipment that would actually make me engaging. I said to myself, I have to master this, yes. whatever this is. Yes. And that was the next step. And I think that's the thing that helped me not only uh, survive, but now my business is actually thriving. And yeah. now my clients, they actually request that I speak live. And also we I'm doing hybrids. So I've yeah. been I do hybrid you know keynotes and workshops and etc yeah that's so that's so um interesting because you're right you either have to thrive or you die right you, oh oh yeah and just yeah. one other thing i demand as a trainer mm -hmm. you know you know you know this mm -hmm. is you you know you demand a response you ask the audience for something and then you'll repeat it until the audience responds when i am presenting virtually i demand that they turn on their cameras I tell them, and I have like, I've got, you know, yeah. back, I don't know if you can see this in the back, I got a big widescreen uh, up here. No, I can't see it. Um, okay. And, you know, so I can at least see 50 faces at a time. Yes. And if I have, if I have, if I have hundreds of people online, this tool enables me to scroll very, very quickly and see almost everyone's ah, faces. Yes. But I tell them, it's just like, look, I'm working hard. I want to see your faces. I said, I need your energy. So I don't need you to sit back. And you know, just have your name out there. I was just like, I'm working hard. I demand, I expect you to turn on, and and I said, and I'm going to be presenting to your faces. You know, so that's one thing I demand of my audience. Does everyone do it? No, they don't. But the majority of the audience does. And here's the other thing I've discovered: is people like to play. So as a trainer, yeah. even though it's a keynote, I yeah. give them games in my keynote so they can play, and and we make it interactive. Give me an example. Just, give me an example. So, you know, um, I will, you know, uh, let's see. Well, <clears throat> one game I do that's uh, an absolute hit is a, a scavenger hunt. So I had something called the, uh, when COVID first hit, we started doing something called the, the COVID scavenger hunt. So I had people like, um, uh, I, we, we had like, we had a, a countdown timer that would be on the screen. Mm -hmm. And it says, okay, we'd like you to find the following items. We'd like you to fly, uh, find, uh, you know, toilet paper, uh, bleach. <laughs> Um, you know, all these, you know, COVID related items. Ah. And then I said, and then we, we would have a winner. And I says, okay, now please put those in the box and send them to uh, Ed Tate, <laughs> Anderson, Nevada. 
But the thing I, what was really cool about this is people would go to the rooms, et cetera, and they were really involved. They were yeah, they so were I turned it into a game, you know, I do, you know, I do polls, I do ch quick chats, you know, whatever it may be. But again, I'll, I always keep it. My philosophy is if I'm working, you're going to work as well. I like it. And, and if you're going to work, then you're going to be engaged, but I have to be creative enough to keep you yes. engaged. Yes, because they'll remember your your presentation because of that, which is like brilliant. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I I listened to you on a podcast, and I think this is um, a podcast that you are very involved with. They're good friends of yours, um, Mark and Darren. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. They've had me on like three or four times. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So I, I'm actually interested in going back and listening to some more. But what I wondered if you would share with my audience, because I think this is a great lesson as well, and it, it had to do with um, uh, who was it? Was it Mark that was that trained you for Mark your? Brown? Yes. Was it Mark or Darren? It was Mark, right? He yeah, gave, Mark, Mark, he gave me a piece of advice. Yes. You know what I'm going to talk about, right? About having an emergency uh, ending. Yes, 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 yes. I thought that was brilliant. So would you share that with my audience? So for those of you who are unaware, again, the, the World Championship of Public Speaking, year-long competition, uh, six different rounds, etc. So uh, it, it it's the year 2000. And it's being held at the Fountain Blue Hotel, Miami Beach, Florida. I walk into the lobby and I see Mark Brown. Mark Brown is the 1995 World Champion of Public Speaking. And Mark is actually just coming from the swimming pool. He has on swim trunks and he has a towel around him. And I say, Mark, I says, hey, uh, I'm Ned Tate. I'm one of the contestants. I just have a few questions. Oh, you didn't know him at all then? I, we had not met. We oh, had okay. not met. Yeah. That I did not know. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and he says, well, he says, hey, I know who you are. And Mark is the type of person that he's aware of who the contestants are. So I just told him it's going to be a couple of minutes and God bless his soul. He answered every one of my questions, 45 minutes in a very, very cold lobby. The man has goosebumps on his arms and legs. I am completely oblivious to this. Yeah. And, and he said to me, he said, Ed, uh, he said, there's something you should be aware of. He said, like, you're speaking in front of 3,000 people, and they're going to laugh in places they never laughed before. They're going to laugh longer in spots they've never, they've never done before. And it's going to throw off your timing. So he said, you, you might want to consider having an emergency ending. So that was a piece of advice he gave me in the hallway. And that's exactly what happened. So like when, when you're competing and they have these lights, there's a, there's a green light to let you know that you, you met your, your minimum time. Uh, the, the speech contest is anywhere from four minutes and 30 seconds to seven minutes and 30 seconds. Okay. So you have to have a minimum of four minutes, 30 seconds there, but you can't go over 731. Because okay. at seven thirty one, you're 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 disqualified. So anyway, I saw the green light, but because the spotlights were in my eye, I never saw the yellow light. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of my you know, well, not in the middle of my presentation, but like three quarters of my presentation, I see the red light, and I said to myself, "Oh my!" And I literally internally, I am panicking, I am freaking out. I'm still delivering my 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 speech and my presentation because I've given it so many different times. I could do it in my sleep, and then in the and then I Mark's words hit me on stage. There was a place in my speech. I said I could end the speech right here, and that's exactly what I did. Oh. Well, so anyway, what happens in the contest is I was uh, the seventh speaker. There were nine. 
I sit down and everyone tells me that was the best speech. You're going to win the contest. I mean, they're patting me on my back and I am just completely distraught because I don't know if I've gone over time or not, uh-huh. you know, and I said to myself, here's a year of my life. Have I wasted my life? I mean, all these things are going through my head. Yeah. And um, before they announce the winner, they always announce if there's a disqualification. So I'm not listening for the winner, I'm listening, have there been any disqualifications, you know, and if so, who? <laughs> you know? So they announced, hey, there was no disqualifications. Now I relax. You know, I says, oh, God, thank you. And I, I didn't even care if I placed or not. And then I won the competition. But that piece of advice, saved you know, you. It, it, it saved me and it, it changed my life forever. So I have. Yeah. Now I have to ask the question, what was your speech about? Uh, the speech was called One of Those Days. You can go on my website and check it out okay, or just okay. Google it, Ed, Ed Tate, One of Those Days. Yeah. And it's a true story. About, I used to live in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, my, the company I worked for was out of Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So I had a flight to Phoenix and Denver International Airport had just opened up. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if you live in Denver, Stapleton, I could be like tw- the flight could be taken off in about 25 minutes and I can make it from my office. I can make that flight. Yeah. Uh, DIA is not that way at all. Oh, my. I mean, it is. A, it's one of the largest geographically uh, a big, uh, airports in the world. Okay. And, and it is, it's been said that you can actually fit three or four airports geographically in the, the square mileage of DIA oh, okay. airports. So, so it's actually sort of like. Um, Burbank and LAX, like this one you're talking about is a smaller airport that that's near your house, that was near your house. No, no, this is the Denver International Airport. Oh, no, the, Denver, okay, the International yeah. Airport was there. Okay. No, Staple, Stapleton used to be the former airport. Okay. And then it. they switched over to okay, uh, DIA. Okay. So in my mind, mentally, I had never been to this airport before, and I had way underestimated how sure. long it was going to take to get there. So I'm racing. I get pulled over by a cop. I get a speeding ticket, et cetera. And I said to myself, it's going to be one of those days. Anyway, and on top of everything else, <clears throat> Uh, United Airlines had decided to actually enforce the two bag limit. Now, prior to that, if you had killed the deer in the mountains, you could actually take it with you on the plane, you know? <laughs> you know? And so like, it, you know, I had those, you know, remember like um, after, after 9-11, they had all those lines at the airports. Well, that's how it was. It was absolutely crazy. So there was, um, I decided like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 1K member with United Airlines and I want to give customer service a piece of my mind, even though it was my fault I was late. So I'm standing in line rehearsing about what I'm about to say to the customer service agent. And there's a guy in front of me. And this guy, um, he just kind of like lets the customer service agent have it. And he did the same thing that I did. You know, he he was late. It was his fault, et cetera. But he's taking it out on this woman. And it's almost like God telling me, like, this is what it looks like. This is what you would look like, you know, if you do this. So I'm just standing there and I said to myself, oh man, okay, I'm an idiot. Let me just call my boss and just tell him I'm going to be late, et cetera. And then the guy calls the woman the B word. <laughs> and then it's like complete and absolute silence. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm just, I'm stunned. Everyone else, the earshot is stunned. And yeah. then the guy just storms off. Oh God. And you can see the woman behind the counter and she's literally, I mean, she's about, she's about to cry. Yeah. You know, you could just, she's just doing everything she can to compose herself. 
And I walk up to her and I just tell her, hey, you know, take your time. I'm in no hurry. By the way, I was trying to get on the same flight as he was. (laughs) 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 And I told her, I said, hey, you know, take your time. I'm in no hurry. You can put me on any flight to Phoenix. That would be fine. I'm good, you know. And for whatever reason, because it was a couple, it was him and his, and I think it was girlfriend. For whatever reason, they, they didn't have two seats. They only had one. So they couldn't get on the next flight. They had to take another flight. She put me on the next flight. She put me on that last seat. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, this is great, et cetera. So later on, uh, I had some time to kill. I go to the food court. This guy's giving um, a waitress a hard time there. Mm. I've never done it before. And I haven't done it since. But that day I confronted him. Mm. And I said like, hey, you say you're a frequent flyer. And there's a couple of things that you know. Number one, the woman behind the counter back there, she had nothing to do with you missing your flight. In fact, she was the only person who was trying to help you get on the next flight. Mm-hmm. I said, the next time this happened and this will happen again, just pow. His girlfriend punches him in the arm, startling both of us. I mean, both of us, we jump. Hang on. You're, you know, hang on. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, pow, we both jump back. It's his girlfriend. She punches him in the arm and says, yeah, you've been a complete jerk all day, etc." And he walks down the hallway just rubbing his arm. Anyway, I'm at the gate. And I notice at the gate, there's a man in a suit. Suits always mean trouble because behind the gates, they always have uniformed personnel. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, maybe that woman wasn't supposed to give me this last ticket. Maybe this guy complained, etc." And I said to myself, I'm keeping this ticket. I hand my ticket to the gate agent. The gate agent whispers to the suit, this is the guy. I said to myself, oh, man, they're going to take my ticket. The man behind this, uh, the man in the suit reaches across me. He says, Mr. Tate, we want, you know, I am the supervisor here. I just want to thank you for what you've done. I said, what did I do? I'm thinking, like, this guy's just trying to soften me up so he can take my ticket. (laughs) And he says, well, he says, our number one uh, priority is to get our our passengers safely to the destination. And we do that every day. And sometimes things go awry and, you know, people kind of take things out of us, but rarely does anyone ever stand up for us. Mm. And I'm, I'm still kind of curious. Yeah. And um, he says, well, um, one of our supervisors actually took their lunch break. She was there at the counter when you, you were so uh, gracious with one of our people. She took her lunch break when you, you confronted the angry young man and she told oh, us what you did. Oh. Yeah. So he says, we want to thank you for what you have done, Mr. Tate. Here's a first-class ticket on the two o'clock flight to Phoenix. True story. That's beautiful. true story. Yeah. So you turned so, that into a presentation for I you. I turned that into, into the speech. Yeah. And that one moment in time has continued to pay dividends mm-hmm. 23 years later. Yeah, that's a great story. Wow. You are you're going to have to come back because this is just <laughs> you've got so many. I love listening. I can see what you're talking about because not only is it about telling stories, it's about how you tell them. And it's about changing your pace and changing your intonation and and really being, um, uh, um, sorry, entertaining in in the the storytelling. And and I just, I so admire and thank you for sharing that with us. I've got Mm -hmm. one question, I've got two questions left. One is a question I love to ask my my guests and I'm curious to see to hear your answer and it's around my favorite word which is curiosity and mm-hmm. 
I would like to know, number one, part one, um, do you believe curiosity is innate or learned? And part two, what are you most curious about today? That's the first question, two parts. So I think curiosity is innate. Uh, as you, I shared with you, and I will share with the audience, I have a 35-year-old son. I also have a three-year-old daughter. <laughs> You'll have to invite me back, and then we yes. can tell that story. But I observe my three-year-old daughter and she is so curious. She's curious about how things work, et cetera. And mm -hmm. she just has this natural curiosity. So just basically observing her, yeah. I'm gonna say it's it's innate. I like to use curiosity as a tool in speaking. Mm. So for example, I just wrote some tweets yesterday. Let me see if I can find these real quick. And, oh man. <laughs> so, um, so one of them, I, uh, a tweet I, I wrote yesterday, and I'm just doing this from the top of my head. I learned a very valuable marketing lesson from my child's pediatrician when she was giving us advice in terms of how we can get more cooperation out of our daughter. And that piece of advice was, she says, uh, no bribes, no battles, or no bags. Mm. You know? So when I put that in Twitter, I said, hey, I learned this marketing lesson from my pediatrician. Guess what? Curiosity. And guess, and then, and then when I gave, you know, when I gave the 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 second half of it, mm -hmm. people said, "Ah, I get that." You know, so I got you know a bunch of likes and things of that nature. I use it in the introduction. So there's a program I use called Making Managers into Leaders, and this is how I begin. Uh, a project manager, part of a hundred million dollar project. If they were one day late, there was a $30 million penalty and they were 18 months behind for every month. They were behind an additional $2 million per month for a total of $66 million in penalties and fees. They were able to complete that project one month ahead of time, avoiding the $66 million in penalties and fees by using one idea, one concept I'm going to share with you today. And then I'll give three other examples of outcomes that organizations got by using the tools and strategies that we're talking about. And then I'll say to the audience, please raise your hands if you're curious. And everyone says they're either curious. And then I'll actually go on with my program. And then throughout the program, I will tell them exactly how they achieve those results. That mm -hmm. is um, a very, very powerful technique in terms of keeping the audience on the oh, edge of their seats. It's a, hook. it's a hook every time. Yeah. 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 Now, Here's the thing. You must give them the answers. If you do not give them the answers, they will hunt you down. They will follow you in the parking lot. They will send you emails. They will send you texts. You must give them the answers. Yeah, I can see that. That's that's cool. So um, what are you most curious about today? Oh, I'm curious about how I can. I'm actually uh, writing an article today on courage. Hmm. And... And how can I be more courageous in terms of, you know, my business, um, you know, being a father, et cetera, you know, how can I be more courageous? And um, I, I read this book by, oh man, Dan Sullivan, it's called The Four C's. And it's a great quote, he says, courage comes before the, your capability or your confidence. You Dan must Sullivan. decide. Dan Sullivan's a business coach, right? Um, yep, yep, strategic yeah. coach. Yeah, strategic coach, yeah. And his, his book is called The Four C's, and it's a, it's a real quick read. You could read it like in half an hour. Mm -hmm. but, it, but courage comes before your capability and your confidence. I always thought it was the other way around. I thought you had to be, you had to have some type of capabilities and you have to be confident to be yeah. courageous. Yeah, I would think he that says, too. It's the opposite. 
it's the absolute because if you wait to be confident or if you wait to have the capabilities, you may never be courageous at all. So for me, that that's that's what I'm curious about right now is what are the elements of, of courage? Love it. That's fantastic. All right. Thank you for that. Last question. What is your best? And you've given us like so many, but give me your one last tip for my audience who might be business owners, entrepreneurs, um, sales professionals who mm-hmm. you know around your your business presenting and so forth. What would be one thing to take away? Last takeaway. Well, um, my my company, uh, what we do is we help non-sales professionals, and we help sales professionals as well, but non-sales professionals win what we call a high-stakes presentation. And that is, it's a winner go home type of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So right now we're working with dentists. Mm-hmm. You know, so oh, a dentist, mm-hmm. dentist, this is a medical professional, and, you know, they've never been taught how to pitch in whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also work with architects. Architects, again, these are professionals, but you guess what? They have to pitch. They have to sell their ideas. Right. The most... The, the number one thing sold on planet Earth are ideas, and everyone has bought some type of ideas. So we help your customers and your clients buy your ideas and your products and services. And where can my audience find you? Uh, I go know, to, and I'll, I will put it in the show notes, of course. Sure. Um, uh, edtate.com, E-D-T-A-T-E.com. Real simple. Okay. Everything yeah. is there. That's yep. perfect. This has been a delight and a pleasure more more than I even expected. You were um, very generous with your with your sharing your knowledge and um, and giving me some tips along the way, which I really appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And to my audience, please listen. Please let me know that you enjoyed this episode by leaving a review because honestly, this one feels really good to me, and I appreciate so much Ed Tate being here and you being here to listen. So thank you again. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.